Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair and beauty source and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, radio host, Hurricane Age, new day, new show, excellent topic. Um, we all are moving and doing our thing, and some of us do a lot more through our physical activities and fitness and whatever programs we do, and sometimes without even doing that. Athletes do a lot of work, um, and uh, one thing that always happens when you are active is you do get hurt. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's part of the work that we do, and uh Sometimes that can affect how you live. I mean, especially if you're doing something and that is your occupation, it can, you know, have a, a detrimental effect. Now we've had shows before and talked about physical therapy and chiropractic and stuff like that, but we never talked about um, occupational therapy and what does that mean and so on and so forth. And the trauma that happens uh, after injury and how to treat it and how to deal with it. Well, with me today, I have a specialist, a doctor in occupational therapy also best-selling author on Amazon. Um, he is a coach and he helps people kind of go from trauma into becoming who they were before and, and really helping them. So um, I have with me Keegan Headley. Keegan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. And as I, as I try to announce, uh, you know, the, the introduction of the show, uh, you know, like literally, uh, I'm a little familiar with occupational therapy, but I don't know if everybody knows the difference and what it what it means. If we can just start with that, and then also your background, and uh, then then we'll talk about the overall benefits of therapy, and and then we'll talk about injury and so on and so forth. <clears throat> Let's get there. Yep, it's a million dollar question. What what is occupational therapy? Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely something that I've been asked uh, many many times, and even when I was in clinicals, uh, you would walk in a patient's room. Um, and you know, they'd be an 85, 90 year old person and say, Oh no, I, I don't, I don't need a job anymore. I'm retired and <laughs> kind of those misconceptions. So it's, it's, um, basic occupational therapy is therapy that gets you back to the daily occupations that you enjoy that make you, you. Um, so essentially that, that encompasses not only the physical aspects, but also the psychosocial aspects, um, you know, because it, everyone tends to want to pry apart the, um, mental uh side of things from the physical side of things and it's it's all one big um you know it's all, all one big piece to who you are so we, we provide therapy that um makes sure that you can get back to those things that you enjoy very commonly especially in hospital settings you see occupational therapists helping people do uh, activities of daily living which is essentially like uh, getting dressed making sure you can go to the bathroom to you know maintain your dignity and those kinds of things but it also can stretch all the way to, again, as you mentioned, if an athlete or a person just in general highly identifies as, you know, a football player, a soccer player, or whatever the case may be, and they're not able to do that anymore, it doesn't just affect, you know, their physical being. It also affects their emotional um, being, you know, their self-esteem, their, um, 
you know, everything that makes them who they are. So um, it's definitely all tied together. And uh, essentially what I focus on mostly is the psychological side of physical injuries for athletes or uh, athletes that are transitioning into the quote unquote real world after, um, you know, college athletics is, is where I've been at. Uh, you know, for quite a while. So. Well, thank you. Ken. So, so first of all, I appreciate, you know, cause that, it's funny because I'm in the insurance space and we do cover, you know, all the different therapies <laughs> and, and, and it's one thing to your point. It's a lot of folks that think it is physically just the ability to go back and do your functions at work, but, but you're right. This is beyond And I think, and thank you for clarifying that because um, just cause, you know, one thing is the job part of it and what you're doing functionality, but there's to your point, everything else and how it affects your social aspect. And the psychological piece of it is probably to your point is the biggest part. And while we can fix the, the physical one, the emotional part is always a harder one. And it's probably more, uh, I, I guess it has a better value, a better weight on how we behave in general. Because our mental state is everything. If your mental state is good, your physical state is better. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's just, it's amazing how it all ties in and it's all one. Uh, and, and it's important to to differentiate. Now, just a quick question. Now, are are you by trade um, the same as, just for our audiences, uh, the same, uh, I guess, qualified, uh, the same qualified, you know, level in terms of, of um, physical therapy or any other therapy? Is that the same kind of education is that the same process to get to to what you do just to differentiate because i mean again people understand physical therapy but, yeah, but yeah. what is the, the the system that you have to go through or the education process you have to go through to to become a doctor in occupational therapy yep uh, so a lot of the clinical doctorates except for like md and those kinds of things are, are very much uh the same so physical therapy and occupational therapy have essentially the same length of you know, a curriculum uh, following undergrad, it's three to three and a half years or, or so roughly, depending on which school you go to and how, um, you know, rigorous it is as far as the number of credits. But uh, physical therapy school looks, uh, as far as duration, looks very similar to occupational therapy school. And it's, it's much the same as the uh, psychologists I've talked to as far as duration as well, if they're getting a, a PsyD. So th- those in- those are kind of the two opposites is physical therapy and PsyD because it's totally mental and totally physical. So, so, so but, but you are, you're focused more on the mental aspect than, than the physical. So uh, just- yeah, correct. Um, I'm, I'm mainly uh, firmly planted in the joint injury space. So again, I have a hard time separating uh, the two because your physical injury essentially is impacting your emotional and, uh, you know, psychological health. So it, it, they're very much, one and the same, but yes, I do kind of approach things from that angle um, specifically because it's, it's an under uh, discussed um, topic in my opinion is the psychology of physical injuries. Well, no, I, I love it. And that's why we have the show is that, you know, we all mm-hmm. know that the body gets potentially fixed, <laughs> Yes, yes. Sir. but the, the damage, <laughs> you know, you can fix the body, you know, in a surgery, whatever, and you do some mm-hmm. therapy, mm-hmm. but, but the, the scar that it's, that it's outside may, may vanish event eventually, but if mm-hmm. you're mentally, you know, scarred or you have, I don't know, whatever it is, it affected your well-being, your social status. And everything else that can be a further you know damage and it can impact everything i mean you can get into depression you can get into a lot of stuff so that trauma piece is probably you know worse than the actual physical aspect of it although i'm not you know down down playing the actual damage itself because that's we don't want that you know to happen 
Uh, so, so now let's talk about that. What are some of the, I guess, the the serious damages that that can happen in terms of joint um, uh, anatomy, and then uh, what you know. So let's talk about that first. I think I think it's a good good start start point where we understand the mm-hmm. the, the trauma itself and the types of trauma that happen, and then let's talk about the impact on the psyche. Yep. So of course, um, I. Uh, specialize i guess in quotes or i deal with people most frequently who have had a torn acl um because um, mostly because of the duration of the rehabilitation it's it's not one of those um you know joint injuries that heals on its own um so it's and it's usually uh the literature shows that any the the most effective um you know, a, an individual is it returning to their prior level of activity is after a year. So a year is a long time in an athlete's, you know, world. So um, th- those are what I deal with most commonly. I've also talked to individuals who have had um, Achilles injuries, um, not as many, but I've also uh, had discussions with individuals who have had like um, Tommy John and, and those kinds of things where they have kind of similar uh, struggles, you know, the, the joint that they always depended on, you know, in pitchers cases gave out on them um and you know get it getting that confidence and self-esteem back and getting slowly back into you know uh, essentially athletes main coping mechanism is their sport so if they're taken out of that for a year um you know that that's a long a long time from the standpoint of uh life happens you know obviously your injury was not ideal um but you know even even further into that additional life will happen to you in a year. And if you don't have a way to cope with it um, and lean on like uh, athletes do as sports, you, you can find yourself in a world of hurt. So. Well, so thank you. Now, now you mentioned ACL just as again, mm-hmm. for our audiences, we can describe what that damage looks like for folks, mm-hmm. because I think we all prone potentially to have some sort of injury of that nature. Yep. And ACL is probably the most common one. Uh, there's four main ligaments of the knee. There's the ACL or anterior cruciate ligament, the PCL or the posterior cruciate ligament that form an X kind of uh, from your femur to your tibia. That's your thigh bone to your shin bone, respectively, um, that act essentially as the brakes or decelerators when you're running. So imagine, um, you know, when you, when you tear that, it, it kind of feels, uh, or your legs operate more so like a uh, maybe a car without, good breaks or those kinds of things. So those ligaments prevent the anterior translation or the forward movement of the femur on top of the tibia. Um, There's, there's also um, the collateral ligaments, the medial on the inside of your leg and the lateral collateral uh, ligament, obviously on the outside of your leg um, that prevent, you know, excessive um, varus and valgus movements, which is kind of the uh, more gruesome injuries you see um, on sports center where that you're, uh, a guy or a, a lady's uh, knee moves in a very unnatural way. The, those are more so the LCL or MCL involved injuries. Not saying that generally when your uh, knee moves in those kinds of ways, you tear more than one ligament. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a general overview of the anatomy of the knee from a ligament standpoint. So thank you, Doc. But now, what would cause you know a ligament to 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 t- to tear i mean you know in in a way i mean i get it uh, you know wear and tear or heavy or bad mm-hmm. movement uh you know so one is what would cause that two how do we kind of make it stronger and t- this is before we talk about the trauma of an injury we just want to mm-hmm. you know just to to give our just something to to take home that obviously preventative stuff is always a key and if you if you're 
careful enough. I mean, and that's the other thing. I mean, there is an age piece, right? Younger person mm -hmm. versus an older person. Uh, what would be, you know, some of the advice you would give people in that particular space? So as far as why it happens, that's, um, you know, if, if, if I had the answer to that, um, I'd, I'd be doing very, very well. I, you know, I think because it'd be easy to stop if we could pinpoint exactly what causes these injuries. But a lot of times, especially with ACL injuries, um, uh, for example, I, I've torn both of mine, um, obviously at different times. Um, and it was non-contact injuries. I, I wasn't being, you know, hit or anything at the time in football. And uh, my leg just collapsed. It kind of uh, rotated internally, um, maybe due to fatigue. Um I'm, I'm a kind of a lanky or my, my limbs are very long. So, I mean, there, there's also speculation as far as maybe your Q angle, which um, is, is very prominent in girls um, is, as well. I have a larger Q angle for a, a guy, maybe that contributed to it, but I mean, it's, it's really hard to say as far as what um, caused it and, and how to, you know, prevent it. I, I think a lot more joint centric, um, exercise programs need to be put in place because a lot of the strength training that is, um, you know, our athletes are put through are very specific ranges, um, and they're very specific muscles. And I'll give you an example. We, we spend a lot of time developing the posterior chain, which is very important for acceleration. Um, but we don't really, uh, put it, put as much emphasis on the muscles necessary for stopping. Um, you know, the, the decelerators, which obviously if you're going to, um, put a gigantic engine in a car, you, you, you probably want to make sure it has good brakes. Otherwise, um, you know, there, there's probably going to be an issue, issue at some point. Um, so I think that's one way to, uh, maybe alleviate some of these issues as well as, uh, making sure that you, you're very, uh, symmetrical with your strength. One thing that, you know, another thing that I've noticed, especially through both of my rehabilitations is, you start to accommodate, you know, or, uh, you know, if, if your left knee is the one that just was injured, uh, your, you know, right knee or your right leg, plus maybe your left hip might take over a little bit to kind of lessen the burden on that recently injured leg. Um, so as, as much unilateral stuff as you can do is, is very, um, beneficial. Um, and as well as flexibility, a lot of, a lot of people think that, um, you know, the more flexible you are, the less, um, you know, explosive you'll be, but if you look at some of, you know, the, the most, um, athletic people like Michael Jordan and stuff like that, the angles and the positions they were able to get in, you know, was what made them the most athletic on the court, you know, or it only, um, you know, contributed to their success. So I, I would say those are kind of three main things that I, I've noticed through my experience and that of, you know, some of the people that I've worked with in the past. So thank you. So so you mentioned strength training. I mean, for all of us, well, at least for me, and you know, I, when I when I hear that, I think muscle. Right? I think you know, building mm -hmm. a nice mass and having a good. But mm -hmm. we're talking about ligaments. So what's that connection? I mean, you know, obviously, is it the more strength training, the better the muscle is, the the better protection you have for your ligaments? Is that is that the the rule? Um, it's a great question. Um, so essentially. There's muscles that are crucial for joint health. Um, there, there's the VMO, or it's the most medial or inside of the um, uh, quad. So it's mm -hmm. it's when you see someone walking with shorts on, it's kind of a, um, 
a teardrop shaped muscle um, near the kneecap. That one's extremely important for knee health because it's one of the first muscles that, you know, is activated when you slightly bend your knee or when your knee is completely bent. So if you're, if you're bending your knee as much as you can, the muscle that gets you out of that position is the portion of the vastus uh, medialis muscle. Um, and also when you're just starting to bend your knee, which are very, you know, both very crucial positions in athletics. So, um, strengthening muscles like that one, as well as the hamstrings, which connects, if you look at the anatomy of, um, the, the hamstrings, it's going from the back of your leg to actually, believe it or not, right, uh, inferiorly. So below and medially to your kneecap is where your hamstring tendon is. And that's where it attaches. So it's attaching from the back to the front, very similar to the ACL. Um, so it's kind of mimicking it from the muscle standpoint. So the stronger you can get those kind of muscles, the more likely you are to have better knee health, um, you know, better knee function and those kinds of things. But also, you know, when you're working out those kinds of muscles, you're in, in very bent positions and they, they don't really have literature in it. But when, when you, if you have severe knee pain and you actually can get in those positions and start working out many times, if you're an individual that has a bad knee, um, you know, say you squat one day, you're probably sore for, you know, a couple, two, three days after that. And it's not just muscles. It's, it's more, a lot of times it's your joint that's sore, uh, because you're putting pressure on it. But if you actually get in a deep squat, you have to obviously uh, grade it quite a bit. So if you're not used to it, I wouldn't recommend just jamming your leg down in there, um, you know, in, in that kind of position, but if you can slowly work your way into it and, start getting accustomed to being in that position you get more blood to the area and you you feel better afterwards so there's not any literature on it yet but it, it definitely does um it, it's it's some some of the stuff that i do still consistently um makes me feel better after my workout which was kind of when you know um i i continued to pursue it because anytime i absolutely love working out but if you're gonna be sore every time after you work out it, it kind of deters you from going as often as you need to, to be successful. So, so, well, thank you. And, and again, I'm listening to you and I'm almost visualizing <laughs> what you're, what you're referring to. Uh, but, but we go to the gym, you, you know, even in whatever you watch people, you know, working out uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of weight is put on their knees, right? So squats are big, um, mm -hmm. you know, what do you call these? Like, you know, jumping jack, well, jumping jacks, not so much, but like, you know, uh, burpees, <laughs> yep. you know, all yep. kind of stuff. So there's a lot of force that actually goes onto the legs. Mm -hmm pressure and then you have all these guys that do like you know too much weight on them yeah. uh, and then then so so the question is um obviously people do that because they want to get bigger and stuff but but the damage that can be happening over time is something that we have to be very you know aware of and uh, listen i mean i i i i don't think i've had an acl problem so far but I can tell you my joints over the years have been you know hurting you know because I've been in martial arts for 40 years so I can just tell you the kicks and all the stuff and the jumping and the running and then sometimes you know or like for example you hit in you know stuff all the time with your roundhouses whatever you do get a lot of pressure on your knees and uh, I have so many friends who have actually been with me that have had to do surgeries because of that yeah. uh, mm -hmm. and so so it is we all kind of tend to when you're young, you're probably not going to feel it as much, but as the age goes on, it gets worse and worse. And now you can't even climb stairs. <laughs> it's a problem. Yep. So, 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 so can't, I mean, you said it, there's not enough literature, you know, 
to to talk about some of these things. Uh, and so I'm, I appreciate you sharing that here. At least some people can hear about it and maybe apply some of this, you know. And mm-hmm. or, and we also want them potentially to reach out to you. Maybe you, you can teach them more more tricks. Uh, so that's just something I wanted to add. Now, now I know you mentioned you torn two of your ACLs, you know, on both legs. Now that's got to be probably one of the accruciate, you know, the, it's just the pain is going to be like, kind of like almost, I don't know, unbearable when it happens. Uh, and then it, the healing process for that is, is probably worse because it takes long. I mean, uh, and, and here's a question that is like, again, a million dollar questions. You said it, you were not even doing any activity and it just happened. So, so for people that are watching, you know, cause you think that it happened while you're doing an exercise, doing some sort of, you know, fitness piece, but it didn't happen that way for you. And I know you wrote a book and we're going to talk about the book. I think that's, that's the core topic of, of the book, but, but it happened to you. Uh, so what was that experience like? I mean, just, just to visualize to people and, and, and what was that time frame that you were able to go through eventually get over <laughs> and and i'm sure there was no body to help you personally i guess in terms of the psychology piece and stuff and that's why you do the work you do so let's talk about that experience yep so i, I tore uh, again uh, both of my acls first and then the right both playing um first college football and then arena football the second one um and i was um doing a pass rush move i played defense and um both times my uh, leg in the back because you have to kind of pivot sideways when you're going by one of the uh, larger gentlemen and um, both times my uh, rear knee buckled to the inside uh, doing actually the same move both times. So I'm, uh, I have a bit of an aversion towards the swim move now. Um, but yeah, so that, that's what happened. And as far as the, uh, duration. It was it was very difficult from the standpoint of um, you, you never think it's going to happen to you. I guess until, until it does. The only thing I really knew about ACLs when it happened to me the first time was, you know, it was a big talking point on ESPN if someone had torn their ACL. So that that's really all I knew, and I could almost feel my you know aspirations melting away um, as I sat on this those stupid carts. They wheel you off on in uh, football. So, um, it, you know, it was very difficult. Um, and then I didn't have anyone that was really spoke to the psychological side, um, of the injury, which is hundred percent why I do what I do, because I don't want anyone to feel isolated like I did when they were in, when they're in that position. So. Well, so thank you. But, but, you know, we hear about, you know, sports injury all the time and, and you're right, football and all these, these, these sports, they do have a lot of movement sideways and so on and so forth now it happened to you by the way just the image that you gave me when you said buckled in you know that i i can just it's almost like it it gives you a little pain just to see it in your mind and not long to feel it in person so i i you know my heart goes to you and i mean likely you're here today and and you can speak about it but i'm sure at that time to your point it kind of almost diminished all your opportunities in your mind that's it i mean and you don't even know the outcome, whether you're going to come out of this and, and how you're going to come out of it and whether you can do things. Now, this wasn't, you said college. Uh, so that this was before you went to to the, the occupational therapy school and all this stuff. So that that that's an interesting. So you had a severe injury. Uh, and by the way, here's the thing. You had one. Why didn't you stop at that point? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, <laughs> so I was going into my junior year 
Uh, it was fall camp junior year when I tore my second one. And I had just really, I was kind of slow on catching on to the college football game. Everything's, you know, a lot quicker and to be good at football, you can't be thinking at all. And I'm one of those people who overthinks everything. So it got a while till I felt comfortable, you know, making split second decisions and actually thriving my spring ball of my sophomore year. And um, so essentially um, I I didn't want to miss, I had already missed my junior year and I, um, just wanted to, you know, come back and make, make a bit of a name for myself, my senior year. And unfortunately, um, you know, I, w- I wasn't able to do that because I found out I was ineligible to, due to having too many credits. So, um, I, I was very, um, frustrated at that point and I wanted to make sure, you know, I, I got to get, you know, and gave myself another shot. So I trained, uh, particularly hard and I was able to go to a combine and I ran some good times. And I was able to, um, you know, get signed by a small arena team and sign my agent who got me a, you know, I, I let my arena football team uh, coach know that if I got an opportunity to, you know, continue to move up, I would take that. And I got a, um, a opportunity to work out with a Canadian football league team in Ohio. So I went to that. Um, and unfortunately, the last rep of one-on-ones of that tryout, I tore my right ACL, which definitely kind of um, ended my career uh, for sure. I, I knew I didn't want to do this a third time. That's that's for sure. So just uh, essentially drive and, um, you know, angry that I was missing out on previous opportunities is why I continued to come back. So, well, so well, that, that's an excellent message to, to audience, especially the younger, you know, folks who uh, are determined and they do have their dreams and they want to make it happen. Uh, when something like this happens, I mean, you have to also think about all your op- options, right? And 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 what that means to you. And I, again, in your case, yes, I had the injury, but you know, I'm resilient. I'm going to make it. I still want to do this because that's what I want to do. And you went, but then eventually things didn't work out, and then now you got a, a further, you know, uh, severe injury, and that that basically ended it. So I mean, does that mean that? And, and again, now we can probably get into the psychology of it. Do people now at this point basically give up and they say, that's it for me? Or do people say, you know what, let me get back in shape and eventually go back? Now, that's obviously a question and decision that people have to make, but to what Mm -hmm. detriment? Is it going to, you know, do anything for them? Uh, Are you even, that's the other thing. I mean, are you even with that kind of injury? Would you even be selected by big teams and so on? So, because if they know that you've had something Mm -hmm. like that, would they even Mm -hmm. consider you, right? (laughs) Even if you're good, Mm -hmm. maybe not, right? So, so those are things that people have to put on the table as a decision makers, you know, and, uh, and, and, and really figure it out. Yeah. Each, each, uh, athlete's decisions totally, uh, personalized and unique because of their, you know, their situation, how old they are, um, how many times they've had it, what kind of support they have, you know, both physically and emotionally going through this process. It's, it's all, all very unique for sure. Well, well, you said now. You went through this, but there was no real emotional <laughs> support for you. No, you had to, you had to, to you had to do it on your own, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'm sure that is a tough one because you know you it's it's like it's all on you, right? And you have to keep motivated. You have to keep you know really inspiring your own self and, and pushing your own self and believing in yourself and doing whatever it takes to to just keep up and 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 just go through and heal the you know first heal and then kind of get away from that trauma and that impact, right? Uh, so, so that was, how long did it take you just as a person to just to go through that, you know, yourself and then eventually kind of snap out of it if, you know, I would use that word. 
Yeah. So uh, my, my issue, um, it's kind of something I always joke about with my fiance is that I'm a extremely slow learner. Um, so I actually didn't get through any of this. Uh, my, my book essentially, um, I, I would have never written a book or learned any of these things if I didn't screw up even worse, um, you know, than I had already up until this point where I tore my second ACL. So um, after my second one, I uh, second ACL tear, I started to um, abuse substances and um, started dating who I would find out would be a, a very severe alcoholic who um, was emotionally abusive. And it culminated in me being, you know, suicidal for a time um, after I, you know, I uh, was able to get out of that relationship. And as I was going through uh, therapy, actually, believe it or not, was when I felt the most frustrated because I wasn't really seeing the uh, progress that I was hoping to. Um, my brain just what wasn't, you know, wrapping around the concepts that they're trying to give me a therapy. And it was, it was extremely um, irritating for me that I knew I was doing what I was supposed to, but I wasn't seeing any progress. So I scoured the internet and found a different type of therapy um, called acceptance and commitment therapy, where it's, it's uh, goals are a little bit different. And I can dive into that too, if you need to, but essentially traditional uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT um, looks to minimize the effects of your particular condition. In my case, it was, you know, anxiety, depression, those kinds of things. Um, whereas acceptance and commitment therapy is more so looking to um, arm yourself for the inevitability of life and that you're able to function at a high level, you know, whenever those difficult situations do arise. And it, it does that by not trying to deflect something. So CBT uh, essentially wants you to, if I have, you know, a um, perseverative negative thought, mine was I am broken, not only physically, but emotionally in this, you know, part of my life. Um, I, I would, you know, uh, revert that thought and, you know, redirect it in whatever way possible, which is essentially, you know, a clinician's way of saying, um, you know, don't, if they say, don't look over here, um, I'm one of those people that will stare in that direction. Um, and, you know, think that thought only twice as much. Um, so it, um, inevitably did not work very well for me. Um, luckily, um, I, I changed therapists and I, um, it's, it wasn't a magic pill and I didn't get, you know, miraculously get better all at once, but I started to take, you know, slow steps out of that hole. Um, starting my first session when I started working on my first psychological flexibility, uh, skill, because I, I didn't have any, you know, skills, um, as, as far as dealing with these things, because football was my coping mechanism. You know, if I had a bad day the day before I would go out to practice, um, you know, get to hit someone, get a little tired and I, I'd feel better. And even if I had a bad practice, I could watch film and figure out what to do for the, the next day to have a good practice or game. So it, it was kind of developing those things that I had missed out on in life because I had always used my sport. Um, so, well, well, what, what you're bringing up is a, is a super point because this is, th that was your reaction, right? That's you. And, and it took you down a real bad road for, for a minute because of, you kind of basically starting to give up on everything and then yep. you wanted to just to cope with it with whatever comes your way. And and you yep. make some bad decisions, even going through some extreme potential deadly decision. Right. And, and so, so that's the important message for our audiences because this is what you don't realize a damage like this can do to you. 
You know, sometimes we don't see it. Not, we don't think like, what would happen if I did this? We don't question, you know, in advance. And the reason we don't question typically is because we don't want to know the answer. Because <laughs> if you know the answer, you'll be a lot more cautious and maybe not daring and you may not, you may just give up and you say, I'm not going to do this because I'm too too scared. Uh, and that's that's typical. Again, I, I give you the example of martial arts. I mean, you do get hit in martial arts. <laughs> it's not there's no joke. You go in and you're gonna get you gotta feel punch and you're gonna feel kicks and you gotta feel stuff. But but you do it, but but there is a point. I broke a couple of things myself in, in my career in, as in martial arts. I bet. I and, bet, and, yeah. and I can tell you, uh, once you get that first hit, the second hit, you become a lot more cautious and a lot more, you know, mm-hmm. I am not gonna do certain things. You start limiting to the extent mm-hmm. of what you do and now you practice more for fun and you do it more like as a tradition and I'm not into the competing world now. So, so you kind of change a little bit because now, you know, when shit happens, <laughs> you're going to deal with it and no one else. I mean, unfortunately mm-hmm. that's reality. Uh, and, and there's a cost to this too. I mean, you know, you're in college. I'm, I'm not sure if the college took care of you, but probably wound up all the bills were yours. Uh, and again, that's in, it, in itself could be a burden on someone if they don't have mm-hmm. someone to support them because nothing is cheap just these days, right? I mean, the cost of no. healthcare is expensive. So, so, and and then when you're talking about psycho, you know, psychology stuff, uh, it's even worse, right? Because the, the 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 cost is even you know more. So it yeah, adds yeah. up. But mm-hmm. but it, these decisions that we make, you know, can literally become very bad for us in terms of outcomes. And some people would really go extreme, and then probably just lose it period and out now the good news is that didn't happen to you or at least it happened you know temporary and you were able to snap out of it and 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 and, and cope with it differently because you found a different way and it helped you but then now you've you and by the way that you said something very uh important the fact that you were expecting an earlier or quicker fix (laughs) and and because that didn't happen because you set your own time frame of uh, you know and by the way i know you go to a lot of doctors or a lot of providers, they, they will never tell you, oh, this is going to be quick. They'll tell mm-hmm. you, you know, depends on your body, depends on how you, you know, you do your thing. And you're a doctor, you know this. Things will change based on the personality and, and, and the person and how much you put in. Not everybody's going to get the same results and because of what you put in, right? Now, you as the, I guess, the patient in this in this case, you wanted a quick fix. You And everybody would want that. I mean, who doesn't want to be like, I want to be back 100%. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're never going to go back 100%, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you might get 100%, but you're still kind of like, you know, w- one little movement and then, you know, puff, something can happen. So you have to be careful. Uh, but but you did that. And it's important that you highlighted that because uh, that's an expectation that may not be real. And, mm-hmm. and and we need to make sure that if we're listening and watching right now, whatever the case that can happen to us, uh, you know, when things happen, the expectations that we set are important. And we have to always say that, you know, we have to think about let's hope for the, the, the best, right? You know, but but plan for the worst because, you know, sometimes that's actually a better way to think about it than just, mm-hmm. you know, be optimistic. I'm not saying don't, uh, but but the idea is don't don't just set up your stand like, oh, this is going to be easy, this, this, that. You might psyche yourself a little bit and, and work with yourself a little bit, you know, to, to kind of play the game. But it in the long term, if we're not gonna, when you set something in your mind and then the results are not the same, what happens? You're disappointed. You're disappointed. Now your reaction can be bad, right? And so, and again, I'm not a psychiatrist or anything. No, no. But, but but I use those systems myself because I try to always do that formula and expect, you know, I know things are gonna get better, but I I can't say, oh, it's gonna happen today because if I did that, I'm gonna get too excited. Nothing's gonna happen, and then I'm like, oh, 
That's defeated. It. Exactly defeated. So I don't want that. So that's how I use it. But but I appreciate what you said there because, you know, for people they don't realize that, and and especially when it ha- doesn't happen to you, it didn't happen to you. You know, you would not see it. You would not. Oh, that's just them talking. Those two guys are talking on the show. But believe me, folks watching and listening, everybody on any given day can be surprised with with some event in their life. And we are not mm-hmm. prepared for those events. And even mm-hmm. if we think we're prepared in any event. And a good example, who was prepared for a pandemic? A worldwide <laughs> pandemic? No one. You know, maybe someone did. I don't know. But, but at least the majority of us didn't. Mm-hmm. And we were faced by a reality that was, oh, the world locked down. Not a country, not a state, not the world for months. Okay. And we're still paying some of the price. I mean, the, the economy that came out of this and the whole stuff. So understanding that things can happen on any given day, you know, we have to know that we need to have some sort of system in place. Now, obviously, this is not the topic of the discussion today, but but the idea of just setting yourself, understanding that if you have something, that not to be too excited about a, a quick cure or a quick fix, because there's no such thing as a quick fix, not if the no. damage is extensive. So so I just wanted to, to share that, you know, based on what you said, because I think that is a big, really a piece of of your work you know you're helping people today you're helping people to understand and i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you like what that looks like for you when you're talking to your clients or your patients you know what would be some of the advice you give them to actually maybe not fall into that particular trap right uh, so so now you said you wrote the book but you took time to write the book um so what was the motivation behind the book first of all is it the idea of putting your story behind and helping people and or is it because you wanted to put some systems in place in the book yeah. So essentially what happened with me is, um, I, I'm a writer, just, just, it's naturally who I am. I like, um, I always have a lot going on in my head. Um, and getting it down on paper has always felt very, very comforting, comforting to me to get it, to get it out. Otherwise I have a million things swimming around in my head. So as I was going through therapy, my, my therapist wanted me to, you know, journal about certain situations that were brought up in our sessions. Um, and, you know, I, I started to do that and I, I essentially it culminated in all the stories that are in my book, predicting how using acceptance and commitment therapy or psychological flexibility would have assisted me in those particular situations. So actually a, a lot of my stories um, are, are from my, my own therapy. And then I went back obviously and included all of the, you know, scientific literature to make sure um, I, I wasn't saying anything that was, you know, um, crazy or anything like that. I wanted to make sure I backed up what I was saying, but um, that, that's essentially how my book went. Um, and I, I wanted to make sure to get it out there. So, you know, other people didn't feel like, you know, they were just on an Island as they're going through this, because that's how I felt that, you know, it felt very isolating um, as far as, um, you know, say, say about four months into your injury, you don't have any crutches usually, um, you know, you're walking fine. The scars are small, but, you know, um, people always kind of expect you to start doing or in being who you were, but you know, it's, it's months, um, before you're even a shell of who you were, as far as the things you're able to do and those kinds of things. And you're just very, um, it's, it's one of those injuries where it's pretty much completely internal as far as, you know, I mean, you break your arm, you have a cast, um, you know, th- th- those kinds of things, people can see you're injured, but a lot of times with these extended, recovery, you know, injuries, I mean, you look totally fine, but, but you're not, and you still have all those internal worries of, you know, the self-esteem issues, the confidence issues. A lot of people are gaining their, you know, um, 
confidence and self-esteem from their sports and how they, you know, perform. And again, I said uh, coping mechanisms, but also the fear of having to restart because of an additional injury. So it's definitely um, one of those things um, where um, it's, it's very, very challenging. So, so the book's name is Torn, Overcoming the Psychological Challenges Post-ACL Injury. Is that, that, you know, <laughs> all right. Correct. So, so it's really your story, your, but, but your story is story of many, right? So it's, it's really, you're depicted it based on your own experiences. Um, but, but really a lot of people can relate to it. And I love what you said. And by the way, I always admire authors and writers, uh, because most of their stories or their books are based on reality and things. And, and again, I'm talking about the tip, the, the type of books that you write, uh, that you wrote, but, but the idea is that you are doing it because you want people to know. You, yeah, you want certainly. people you want people to actually have the ability not to fall in the same you know uh, level that you had and whatever that is and at the same time to have at least to see the light at the end of the tunnel because they know mm -hmm. what to expect now we're talking about expectation you know you read the book you know this is going to be a long journey and you need to have patience there's ways and you also give them some sort of level of I guess comfort because they know they're are new solutions there are things available to them but they have to be prepared for the journey and and you know again the whole thing is anticipation of anything can be a problem right so so here they anticipate a good thing as opposed to a bad thing like you know it's going to be rough but eventually it's going to get better and exactly. you know, the, fa the fact that you are here talking about that's even further because now you're going out you know and talking on podcasts radios and shows and and really discussing this with with audiences of the world share with them the value now the other part is that not only you're sharing the value and your experience but also now you can help them yourself because of what you do your work is helping people mm -hmm. so so now now let's talk about that um you you've written the book that's great you had this experience and so on and so forth now you are in the world of helping people restore themselves so so mm -hmm. uh, first of all you're doing this in the, in the private setting this is your setting yep yep uh pri private for sure okay yep. Now, now, and, and of course, I'm assuming this is open, you know, to anyone who, so actually the question would be like, how do you determine who would be qualified for your work? You know, because like we talked about physical therapy versus occupational therapy, you know, mm -hmm. or, or do people come to you with an injury and then you, you kind of help them, you know, and guide them? Yep. I, I deal on both the physical and the psychological side of things. Obviously, uh, just due to the nature of my book, I, I get more uh, psychological uh, inquiries uh, for sure. But a lot of times it's for people who, you know, have had their, you know, that's it moment as, as far as they, they know they're struggling there. They know that they're starting to have other aspects of their life be affected by their injury, not only just their sports, but, you know, it gets into their relationships, their schoolwork, maybe their career, you know, depending on where they are in life. Uh, generally those are the people who reach out or they, reach out to me based on, you know, they're having a lot of fear about returning to sport because the return to play conditions maybe aren't, aren't as um, strenuous as I, I believe they need to be, especially for ACL patients. So, well, so again, I mean, I think that's a big deal, you know, going back and I know that fear because when you get hurt, it's like, that's trauma, right? So mm -hmm. how do you get mm -hmm. someone really to, to kind of re, re reassume their functionality yeah. and go back to what they were doing and assuring them that, Hey, it's going to be better. I mean, it's going to be okay. That is a tough mm -hmm. place to be because again, one wrong move again, you know, you, you will not see the same game. I mean, the game the same way, 
right? If you're going to football after a massive injury, <laughs> you see someone coming, <laughs> you're not going to be very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's def it definitely uh, changes the way you lo you look at sports, and it it kind of diminishes that um, feeling of you know invincibility very very quickly. Um, you know, so for for obvious reasons, but there is a way to regain that as well. You can you can re regain who you are. You just have to go through more um, joint specific training um, to so you're not thinking about it all the time. Because a lot of times, even if you're graduating from the you know um, uh, physical therapy clinic or you know the return to play protocols, you're still not feeling quite. You, you still don't feel quite the same, which is frustrating. Uh, well, so so now what would be the length of work that you will go through with someone I i'm assuming it depends on the injury level but i'm talking about the psychological mm -hmm. piece of it you know because again maybe you can get a physical aspect of things fixed in a particular time frame but the psychology can be maybe longer because it all depends on yeah. the person right yeah i mean it's it's their situation it's what their weaknesses are it's you know if it's strictly psychological if it's both psychological and physical you know, I mean, the list goes on and on as far as um, what kind of length it goes with. It's it's anywhere from a month to, you know, I've, I've had uh, infrequent talks with a uh, football player out of South Dakota for over a year. So, I mean, it just, just kind of depends um, what your situation is. So, Doctor, now most of the work is done in person or there are, there's some stuff that you do, like, let's say people can be in a different state and still get, you know, to you and access your services if it's only the psychological aspect i'm assuming but if it's a physical aspect or can you can you maybe recommend them to go places to get the physical part done if they're not actually local um pretty much everything i do is done um remotely much like we're talking now um i, I can also provide you know examples for um uh, you know uh, physical things that they need to do all done remotely i can demonstrate it and those kinds of things but everything i do you know, uh, it, the people I see are kind of scattered around the country. And that, that's why I go under, you know, the kind of the guise of, you know, uh, acceptance and commitment coaching, um, you know, joint specific coaching, because when, once you get into the minutia, as far as, you know, licensing and those kinds of things, um, uh, you, you, there's no reciprocity, uh, you know, as far as if I, if I have a um, license in North Dakota, um, you can see patients in North Dakota and that drastically you know, limits the amount of patients and people, you know, ultimately are able to help. And I, I want to make sure that I don't leave anyone on the hook as far as, um, you know, that they're going through this and I can't help them because I'm not licensed and the, you know, the, the specific state they're in. So, well, so, but, but I'm assuming as, as far as the psychology, it doesn't matter because you're coaching people. That's, that's a difference. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so I, again, that's important because I think we have audiences all over the world, literally, and uh, many people may not even know that there is something that can help them in the psychological aspect of things, especially injury. Like you don't, you don't think about that. We we all talk psychology, you know, depression, anxiety, other things, but we don't relate that to injury and the damage. Or uh, we we may talk about as PTSD in terms of maybe veterans or some other levels, accidents, and so on and so forth. But we don't kind of, at least I haven't seen that where you know sports injury and trauma sports injury and psyche you know trauma ptsd um i mean is that even a thing uh, again i mean i know ptsd can be a lot of things but uh what 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 is that is that a real an assessment for for people that actually get injured you know in, in the sport yeah uh, certainly there's there's a lot of literature that actually um equates you know the similarity between 
um, ACL injuries and PTSD. It, it, it's rather interesting because, um, you know, once you have one of these, you know, unexpected, a lot of times traumatic injuries, um, I mean, you, you have a really hard time uh, doing even the small things again without, you know, fear of the knee uh, just giving out on you unexpectedly. So, well, doctor, so one thing that comes to mind is that sometimes in psychology and or even physical therapy, there's there's also use of medicine. Uh, do you do that? I mean, do you recommend medications and things like that if needed? Um, I have obviously taken medication, but it's not something that I, I like to recommend. I, I usually refer those to, you know, uh, someone else uh, just because it's not really under the purview of therapists. Um, you know, it, generally, unless you're a very nice, I believe that there's uh, specific instances and in when a psychologist can, um, but I would, I would claim ignorance as far as, you know, how uh, frequent that is. Usually it's MDs like psychiatrists and the like that are recommending uh, medications. Um, yeah, I pretty much everything I do is more holistic. So I love it. Now, uh, are there any, I don't know, maybe because we talked about the injury itself, is there any nutrition, you know, aspect to this, you know, process that you have? Yeah, um, there, there is, you know, specific dieting things that, that always help. I mean, uh, being in better, a better nutritional place is always, um, you know, advantageous, especially as you're going through a rehabilitation uh, you know, time period in life. Uh, so th there is a lot of literature that um, says, you know, the, the more, the higher your BMI is, the, the more likely you are to have joint injuries, especially ACL injuries. So it's uh, definitely advantageous to make sure that you're, you know, um, it, as streamlined as you need to be. It's, it's, I don't ever advocate for, you know, um, you know, anything unhealthy, but just more, a more natural diet as far as less processed foods and those kinds of things is always, um, uh, very, very crucial to the healing process. All right. So that, uh, so where can people actually reach out to you and, 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 and benefit from your services? Yep. Uh, so you can find me at the ACL therapist.com. Um, and also on Instagram and Twitter at the ACL therapist. I love that ACL therapist and, you know, it's pretty you know, unique. Uh, one thing is uh, the book, obviously Amazon, right? That people can, can yep. purchase, a, you know, a copy. Is there any other book in the works? Just, just ask. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, all those uh, thoughts rolling around in my head. Um, I, I actually have a couple, um, you know, other nonfiction books as well as a couple, um, you know, God, uh, God willing, if I ever get time uh, novels, I'd like to write. So. All right. Well, listen, we look forward to those. Uh, so we're at the end, top of the hour here. And so my question to you is any advice to our audiences watching and listening right now? Yep. Um, I, I'm always a huge advocate for um, uh, living in the moment. I, I think nowadays we're all sucked into, you know, one of the 4 million Netflix series that just came out or social media is a huge um, time suck that, you know, provides very little value in our life. So I think putting um, the electronics away and actually living in the moment, cultivating actual real relationships and getting better in the ways that you actually can um, are, are something that we all need to focus on a little bit more. And it's, again, it's one of the psychological flexibility processes uh, processes and skills. Um, you know, living where you are is very, very important. So, so I, I unfortunately, you just opened up a whole Pandora's <laughs> box there. But, but here's a question for you, though. I mean, I there's a lot of opinion in social media. What do you tell people that are watching right now, listening, that may be going through some sort of trauma, you know, post trauma, you know, in terms of injury? 
because there's a lot of stuff then yeah people that are not experts that are talking about everything on on tiktok especially tiktok i mean it's huge people anybody has an opinion they go in there and which by the way they're entitled to it but but you know for people we we have to take things with a grain of salt right not not everything that they hear is correct and they always have to you know do the due diligence process. So what's your take on that? I mean, I I, I get it. You're not a big fan. <laughs> you want people to actually live a good old fashioned social life, which is basically like, uh, like, like um, actually I, I left, my daughter has this, this um, hoodie and it says, uh, I'm a member of the, the, uh, what is it? Social club of the non-social something of that. Like, you know, it was it just yeah, one yeah, of those, yeah. you know, it's funny ones. And I'm like, I get it, <laughs> but but really, it's I I understand your point because to your, it it's really true. We are all caught up in this new way of living, and we are so social online, but we are not social in life, and it's sad, right? I mean, it's it's just it's a lot easier to make friends and do stuff and comment and talk and do all the stuff, you know, at a press a button as opposed to actually meeting with people. And what's sad is that you can be sitting with people literally on the same table and everybody is, I mean, I watch this, you know, you go on the street and you see people sitting on the table, family, everybody's looking at their phone while they're actually having dinner or lunch together. I'm like, what's the point? You know, again, that's not our topic, but, but, but just the, the, the advice that you would give in terms of uh, opinions and, and advices that are available readily in, in social media that may or not, not be correct. Yeah. But I would always stick with, um, you know, individuals who deal in that space. And um, one of the things I would also note is someone who is obviously qualified, but secondly, um, is it someone that's trying to, I don't know, profit off of you? So if they're only selling something because, or if they're only, you know, talking about something because they're selling it and not because they're wanting to help people, um, you know, they, they might be right, but I always question those individuals just a little bit more um, because in, any, any salesperson will sell, you know, in, any skilled salesperson without a moral compass can make something sound, um, advantageous or correct. It, it's the people who are telling, you know, providing content that they're not actually, you know, directly benefiting from They're They're just trying to help people. I, I would look for those individuals and, uh, you know, they, they would be a wealth of knowledge. Unfortunately, there's not, you know ample uh you know of, of, of those kinds of individuals on social media so well uh, listen this is what we do this right we bring the the actual resources and the the real the real mccoy <laughs> the real you know folks that actually do this for a living to provide guidance and 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 a resource as well so people can reach out and get the information direct uh and, and by the way again you know i'm not you know downplaying the, the role of social media i mean it has its own play um but like i said do you do your own diligence no matter what? You don't just have to hear everything and just take it for it is. Like, you know, we hear a lot of things and, you know, it's not the news, it's not the real, and even the news, you still have to do your own work. I mean, you just don't take it because you hear it from someone. Uh, but especially when it comes to your health, I mean, there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of debate at all times. There's plenty of opportunities, plenty of resources. So just find the right resource and, and basically do that. Uh, so again, that's, that's, you, you just talked about a had to, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, doc, it's, it, it was, it was fun. It was real. Thank you so much for sharing your, your story, your uh, work and, you know, continue doing what you're doing, helping people. I mean, that's uh, always honorable and I admire people that are actually helping people uh, get better and uh, giving back. So thank you so much for the work you do. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So that, 
Being said, folks, um, we're coming to the end of the show. Hurricane H here. We'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic. Bye for now. Oh, my God.